I've noticed this trend with people in in the business of telling you how to do things or showing you in their life. Yeah. Right. Uh, Terry El Musa, for example, he never flipped a house until he got on TV. Now he's famous for flipping houses. Mm -hmm. I just feel like it's it's a contradiction. Yeah. And now you got a guy who ran a hedge fund after three years at Goldman Sachs, had a couple of good years when the economy was turning around from the Volcker era recession, early, right. early 80s. So he, he rode the prosperous economy. Exactly. Not too dissimilar from a lot of people in this economy. Right. And when the economy got tough again in the late 80s, oh, Jimmy Kramer, boy, he lost all his funds. <laughs> yeah, he didn't manage it too well. But then he has a TV show. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, relax your mind, and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. Go ahead. It was terrible. Welcome back to the show, everybody. In today's episode, we're going to talk... <laughs> This guy can't even let me get started. He's so upset. He's so upset that I took this over. I'm not. It's hilarious. Please fuck yeah. up again. Okay. All right. Here we go. Let me. Are you going to let me? Yeah. No. Go ahead. All right. Let's try to the be mature adults. Founder. Yeah. No. We're going to talk about that. <laughs> in today's episode, we're going to talk about what happened in the market when the 10-year treasury hit 4%. After that, we'll talk about how mortgage demand dropped to a 28-year low. Then we'll get into the evolution of social media and what's next for that whole industry. Blackstone also defaulted on $562 million. But first, Chris wants to talk about how he was right about Kramer. Wow. Okay. Um, I feel like that, that could have been a little smoother. What? It, um, I mean, I mean, come on. No, no, no. Arun? That was better than take one. It was. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that, was, that was better, but not by much. Okay. That was, that was better. So you get mad you at can me. have it back after this episode. No, no, no. You, you I get feel mad like at you're salty. I'm not salty. You get mad at me for reading the titles. Bro, what you just did was a watered-down version of the titles. I'm not sure. How is that better? It's better. He didn't go through each one. You go through each one. I go through each one because each one's matters. Why, why, why do you think we put it in the show? They're we put the it in notes. the show because, you know, honestly, man, I feel like this is a familial nepotism relationship, and you mm -hmm. guys are revolting right now. That's what's going, what's going on. I had a really good joke. You did? But I had to, I had to pull it back. You be the bigger person? <laughs> I had, no, no, I had to pull it back. You want to be the bigger person? Yeah, okay. to not get canceled. Because you are. Yeah. <laughs> you are the bigger person. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... The one and only, the magic man himself, the world famous mm. full-time troll. <laughs> full-time. The man, the myth, the legend, the inverse Kramer ETF is in fact live. This is amazing. We have joked about it sarcastic on the show many times. Jim Kramer is wrong 100% of the time that he gives you an opinion. He is 100% wrong. Before we get into this. I want to explain to the people what ETFs are again. 
just for the sake oh. for, of those who don't know. I almost forgot this was this was a financial literacy podcast. <laughs> right, for a moment. Exactly. Yeah. Before we go in on Kramer, so for those of you that know, just bear with me for a second. But ETFs are exchange traded funds. They're like index funds. They're passively managed and have a low cost. You don't need to be wealthy to invest in them. Simply buy, sell, and own them. Yep, you can buy right. small percentages. Right. Like stocks, um, you buy them through a brokerage account and you can trade them on an exchange at any time of the day. Yep. Right? What they what they basically are, there's just like a basket of goods. So think about if you own a ETF that is like full of bonds, right? In there will be government bonds, corporate bonds, all that. If you own a gold, like a basket, a bond or ETF of gold, right? You can invest in gold that way. Is it easier for you to buy gold physically and keep it saved in a safe deposit box? Or invest in an ETF that's, you know, backed by gold and it, you just own it and sits in your brokerage account. True, true proponents would say that they want to invest in physical gold and cut out the middleman. But I, I hear the point. You get the point. I'm not. It's similar to REITs, for example, in the real mm-hmm. estate world. Yes. But enough of this educational nonsense. Let's get to the real education. <laughs> okay. According to the street, the inverse Kramer fund is live, like we mentioned. And if you ever thought about betting against Jim Cramer on on air stock picks, and if you know you listen to the show, you know every single day I see his chubby little face on CNBC spouting out bullshit you know is not accurate. Right. There's now an ETF, an actual ETF like Saeed described, that will actually let you trade the inverse Cramer betting against him. And some of you were like, Chris, this is hyperbole. Right. He can't be this wrong. I mean, he must be. He has to be. Has to be. It, it's, it started off as a meme, and now it's a curse. I w- he said the stock, market, the, the stock market is bottomed out. You should be concerned. <laughs> yeah. He said this housing recession is not going to be as bad as the Great Recession. It's not 2008. Yeah. You should be very afraid for the house from the housing market right now. Right. But let's take a little trip down Jim Cramer's history. A brief Cramer history, shall we call it. A lot of this we didn't know. I didn't know. Apparently, he graduated from Harvard with a law degree. So Better than Chris. Fun fact, idiots can go to Harvard, too. (laughs) But he did not practice law. Instead, in 1984, he got a job with a little tiny firm called Goldman Sachs. I mean, you may have heard of them. May have heard of them. It is a mill for producing some very successful people in the finance industry. Again, I guess mistakes do happen. (laughs) There are exceptions to some rules. Yeah. Shortly after, in 1987, three years at Goldman Sachs... Mr. I went to Harvard but didn't practice law with a law degree decides, you know what? I know everything. Yeah. I've been here for three years. I've absorbed as much as I can. Mm-hmm. It's time for me to give my gift to the world. So what does he do? What everybody else would do in that position? He leaves to start his own hedge fund called Kramer Levy Partners. Never heard of them. Doesn't even sound sexy. I've never heard of him. He, like, it's a troll. I'm telling you. He was <laughs> trying to troll everybody, right? right? For seven consecutive years, Kramer's firm beat the S&P, yet it by the end of 19, the 1990s, mm-hmm. the money had gone mad. Oh, a play on mad money. Oh, oh. that's cute. Well done. In August of 1998, the firm lost 21% in just one month. One month. <laughs> one month. For the year, it was down 16%. In 2001, Kramer retired from the fund. And finally, in March 2005, Kramer recorded the inaugural episode of Mad Money. Mm. I've noticed this trend with people in in the business of telling you how to do things or showing you in their life. Yeah. Right? 
Uh, Tariq El Musa, for example, he never flipped a house until he got on TV. Now he's famous for flipping houses. Mm-hmm. I just feel like it's it's a contradiction. Yeah. And now you got a guy who ran a hedge fund after three years at Goldman Sachs, had a couple of good years when the economy was turning around from the Volcker era recession, early, right. early 80s. So he, he rode the prosperous economy. Exactly. Not too dissimilar from a lot of people in this economy. Right. And when the economy got tough again in the late 80s, Oh, Jimmy Kramer, boy, he lost all his funds. <laughs> yeah, he didn't manage it too well. But then he has a TV show. So then we were, so then we were curious. We decided, like, we we really wanted to look up. Okay, so what is he most known for, for making mistakes on? Let, 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 let's just see if the reverse Kramer front would have been fruitful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, let, let's just see if what he said versus what happened. Right. Go for say, it. No, please. Hewlett Packard, HP, little company, <laughs> little company. Never heard of them before. Kramer urged listeners to dump HPE stock in 2012, citing, quote, broken corporate culture. They're broken, Saeed. They're broken. I can't believe it. This company, you should dump it. Mad Money Horns. Get out. Get out now. Within six months of his sell notice, HPE ripped 110%. Emphasis on ripped. You don't say. Don't say. So he said to dump it all and get out and yeah. it went up 110%. Unbelievable. That that's a fluke site. Yeah, one off. That's a fluke. One off. What you got anything else? Yeah. So you heard of a company called Netflix? Little company, yeah, heard of them too? Little company, right? Yeah, tiny. Kramer pounded the table with a sell notice on Netflix on November 2nd, 2012, before it moved 174.49% higher within 6 months of the call. 6 months. <laughs> 6 months later. What, what was he? What the shit? <laughs> I don't know. How can you be that wrong? You're 200% wrong. Right? That's crazy. Best Buy. On November 20th, 2012, Kramer voiced an exit notice on Best Buy. Mm. Within six months of the call, Best Buy was up 124.64%. I love how they keep citing it's six months later. Just yeah. Each one of these six months later. It's not even a problem, man. Right. Coles, care to t- care to discuss? Mm-hmm. Kramer set a buy rating on April 7, 2015. Within six months, Coles shares were trading 41.11% lower. Taking a little L. Yeah, so yeah. on then this one, he told people to buy. Yeah, if you bet against it, the inverse Kramer, if you do the opposite of what this man says, you are guaranteed profitability. Right, exactly. Uh, the other company I've never even heard of, Quo, Quervo, Quervo, whatever. Kramer mm-hmm. set a buy rating on April 7, 2015, and within six months, this this company's shares were trading 37.8% lower. Unreal. And what does Quervo do? It provides uh, innovative and high-performance something that I can't read because room clicks things way too fast. Yeah. That's insulting. Yeah. And now you're covering up the article. So, so now they got an ETF them. for the inverse of Kramer. Yeah, it's brilliant. No, there's more here. I want to go through more. Let's go through, through more of the article. We talk about Kramer's losses. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I like to. I we'll, just, we'll just name drop. Okay, I think that was it. Oh, yeah. that's not fun. There's yeah. been a lot more. I, every single time this These guy is talking ones. about. Yeah, yeah. So he talked about real estate market as an aggregate. He talked about the stock market in aggregate. Obviously, individual stocks are pretty obvious, but this has become so popular that they've literally created an ETF because it is real. And I wonder if this is like hurting like CNBC's brand. No, I think I'm telling you. I think it's an entertainment value thing. I think the people in the industry know this. He's trolling everybody. He's kind of he's low this, key. This is this is. The comedy sitcom of the financial world. I was telling people that he's the Stephen A. Smith of investing. Like he's just he's annoying with the, some the way he talks, and he just grabs your attention though. That might be real. Yeah, but there's people. You ever you ever watch the show? You ever watch Mad Money? Back in the day, yeah. People call in like legitimately, like, "Hey, Jim, oh, Stephen here, first time caller, long time listener. <laughs> like, what are your thoughts on Apple? 
<laughs> you know, like, I, should I buy? Should I not buy? There's a dividend coming up. I don't know, man. And he'll go like, he'll honk a horn and be like, buy me now, horn. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. the, the stock's doomed. Right. That's the way that works. Sober. And it's just, there's, there's super fanboys. And I'm sitting here wondering, like, who watches this guy every single day that, that you call into the show and you're this loyal. I think you're right. I think it's in, it's just a pure entertainment value. It's got to be, right? It's like the way some people just tune in to watch The Price is Right in the morning. Same thing. They just well, wait for their mad money for the early afternoon. All right. Let's get down to some real business, shall we? Okay. You feel you feel like being serious for five minutes? I mean, we can try. I mean, the intro was not very serious. Oh, my God. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> According to CNBC, stocks fall to start a new month of trading as yields extend their climb. And this is going to be a reoccurring phenomenon in this episode. We are going to talk a lot about what's happening and explain to you why it is a big time concern. And you should probably be a little bit more observant of what's going to happen in the next month. I agree. So much of what we talked about in the show in previous episodes was about what people were getting positive and celebrating. And so much of what we're seeing now is the concerns that we expressed with doing that too early. Mm-hmm. So according to that same article from CNBC, stocks moved lower as bond yields extended their gains. The one-year treasury rose about three basis points above 5%. On Tuesday, the benchmark 10-year reached its highest level since November, just under 4%, and I believe moved higher in recent days. Yes. The Minneapolis Fed Reserve President Neil Kashkari, a.k.a. Cash Money. Straight cash. Straight cash, baby. Uh-uh, bang, bang. <laughs> said Wednesday that he is open to the possibility of a larger interest rate increase at this month's policy meeting, this month being March. The 22nd, I believe. Whether it's 25 or 50 basis points, but hasn't made up his mind yet. And there is a growing chorus, I've talked about in the last show, of people concerned that a 50 basis point increase is being priced into the market right now, which would be a substantial pivot. Right. And as you may expect, the markets have responded. Yes. The treasuries have risen. The stock market took a huge hit. This is presumptively a very scary time in the economy. Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, what all the FOMC members have been citing is that they're really data driven. And had they had some of these da- data points, you know, leading into their last meeting, I think three really bad prints. Three really post, exa- post last meeting. Exactly. Had they had some of these, I don't think they would have ultimately settled on a 25 basis point increase. But it'd be interesting to see. I, I, I still don't think they actually go through with it and do another 50 points. If anything, they'll just raise it 25 basis points again. So there, there's some conflicting statements by the Fed that I think people are really honing in on. Mm-hmm. There is this potential for a larger increase, but there's also the same end Fed target rate. Yes. So it doesn't really matter how hard they hit you now. Mm-hmm. It's the duration is still going to be long anyway, and they're not going to cut rates this year. That's what's been said already. Yes. So does it really matter they price in an extra 25 basis points now versus mm-hmm. later? And the answer is yes, it does. It does because it, it sends a different signal to the markets. 100% it does. And it puts a 50 basis point increase at risk if there are bad prints in May during it's, the next meeting. Right, exactly. And a 50 basis point increase, what what does that do to everything else? Because I think what has happened is- See, what had happened was- What had happened was everybody has already started to price in 25 basis points. I don't think I don't think people were pricing in 50 basis points. I think that's what we're seeing now. Yeah. That's the extra 25 basis points. It's it's yeah. really it's really been hitting the market pretty hard and I think that a lot of the sentiment now is scared. 
Yeah. We were seeing a lot of optimism. We were seeing some people who were somewhat pessimistic. Mm-hmm. I think we're starting to see the fear spread. And I know this is going to sound negative, but I'm happy to see it. That's the behavioral economics pivoting. Right. People, people are rightfully getting concerned. Right. This is where, like, to your point, consumer sentiment's really, truly going to start going down. And as, as it should, I mean, I wish people were listening to what he had, what Jerome Powell has had to say this whole time. He wasn't messing around. People are saying, like, you know, the Fed's not afraid of sending us into a recession. It's like, have you guys not been listening? I mean, he's been citing Volcker. Vol- I know. <laughs> Volcker I know. sent us into two recessions. And did not care. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that that's the job. So you have your fuck to give? What? Can I have it? <laughs> yeah, you can have it. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I didn't think you had any. Yeah, so that's good. Yeah. No, I, can, I have a lot of fucks. Yeah, to give. okay. I didn't yeah. know you did. Yeah. All right, yeah. Thank you. I didn't know where that was going. <laughs> I've been working on that at home in the mirror. Yeah, <laughs> you got me. You got me. <laughs> but it's it's true, man. Like, and so what happens is is when fear starts to spread in the market, the behavioral economics play out where consumer spending does in fact pull back. But I think we're so far out on the cliff that you can't avoid the fall. The debt fall is going to be big. Yeah, and I, I I will be the first to admit that I thought Patrick, Bet, David, and people who were shouting that there's going to be a huge recessionary economy, I thought they were like really were wrong. I thought they were, you know, being kind of you know, using fear to drive content. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that's the case anymore. I think maybe he understood it better than, than I did. Yeah. And I don't I like mean, giving maybe. compliments to anybody. I mean, we we technically called it too. We said that there was going to be a recession. No, recession 100%. But now I'm beginning to be concerned about how severe. I don't know if it's just going to be a hardy. I think it's going to be a bitch slappy. <laughs> so it's not going to be a hard landing. It's going to be a bitch slap. Yeah. It's a soft, hard, no landing, bitch slap landing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Or pimp slap. I mean, I heard, so I heard, um, let's see, so Rebecca from a uh, chief strategist from Bridgewater today on CNBC. Bro, you're going to come in here quoting Ray Dalio's people, but you hate Ray Dalio's quotes. Yeah. See, he left. Now the people there are good. I think she left too, actually. Um, but she was on, she was on CNBC talking about how it, I mean, people should be concerned, you know, household debt, mortgages and credit cards rose by 400 billion. Like we talked about in Q4 of Jeez. 2022. So bad. So bad. Right. That's the biggest increase in over. 20 years, you know, if if people start to pay less, there's less revenues for companies. What happens when there's less revenue for companies? They start cutting back on hiring, right? Start, continue. Yeah, Yeah. they stop stop cutting back on hiring as revenue continues to stop and net profit margins continue to decrease. What happens then? More layoffs, right? This is how things progress. This is why it takes a long time for these things to actually come to fruition. And this is why after the early first rounds of layoffs, I was telling people like, look, man, like y'all just seen the beginning, right? You think this is bad now? Wait. Yeah. So, and so everybody's like, oh, the tech sector layoffs, 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 bad. Oh, but they're, they've had the most layoffs. They're, they're good. No. Yeah. Because they rely heavily on advertising dollars. Yes. Those companies that advertise they may have had their rounds of layoffs, but their advertising dollars haven't pulled back significantly yet. You're going to start seeing that happen next. And then after that happens, months later, more layoffs at big tech companies. Right. So I think people are really short-sighted on, on this recession. They expected so much of what we do on a human level is instant gratification now. I think we just expected this to be like, oh, it's painful. Like It's going to get better. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know that that's – I'm telling you, this, this, this could be deep and long. I know. So – so back to our conversation from last week about I'm I'm leaving that alone. I'm, I'm deep and long. I'm leaving that alone. Leaving what alone, sir? <laughs> you know exactly what you did. You know, see, I'm, I'm always I'm labeled making, the bad no, guy. No. I'm always labeled the bad guy with sexual undertones, but it's him. You see that? I'm making an innocuous reference. Innocuous that you can take the wrong way because you've got I can't a creative wait young mind. I can't wait for cameras to be in here. 
that's, that, that's, that's terrible. You know, oh. as a seasoned professional, I want you to know that these kind of labels are really what hurts the professionalism in the community. And I, right. I would urge you to get your mind out of the gutter, sir. I'll, I'll try. I was okay. trying. I tried to leave it alone. I, <laughs> I, I didn't want to touch the deep and long. I didn't want to touch it? I didn't want to leave Were it alone. Were you afraid of it? Yeah, I'm very afraid of it. So you shouldn't be afraid to, to confront. Just your, accept it? You know, sometimes you need to accept things and take an opportunity to be the bigger person. <laughs> Me? Yeah. Uh, just see. take it. To be the bigger person. I know the comment was tough for you, but just take it. <laughs> Okay, I'll take it. So, in a mar- in this type of environment, in this type of market, where you, we already know, like you just you just mentioned, they're gonna ad ad revenue is gonna go down. Yep. Company like Facebook Meta, right? They rely heavily on ad revenue, right? Yeah, it's almost entirely their money. So when they announce and it, they sell data, but I mean, who's gonna yeah. be buying data? Right. I mean, it's it's a it's a circular it's a parasitic cyclical problem. Right. Cyclical problem. Sorry. Cyclical. Yeah, it's a tough word for me to say. Cyclical, <laughs> okay. cyclical. I'm the last one to call you out. Don't worry. Leave that alone. But listen, you've been leaving a lot of things alone. I'm trying I to leave you to start touching see, more I've been, topics. I've been leaving this poll alone. I haven't. No, touched, you haven't. You've been pushing been, things back I, and I, forth. Every yeah, time, yeah. every time I touch it, I pull my hand back. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. So you're okay on poll touching? Are you gonna do the Barack Obama hands this tonight? <laughs> I've been doing it. America. Yeah. I want you to understand. Said yeah. can't. Not have some more respect, dude. Have some more respect. I can't do a Barack Obama. You can't. Yeah, exactly. If you're going to do it, you got to do it right. I can't do it. But a company like that that announces they're going to do a forty billion dollar buyback in company stock. Yeah. Right. Because that's that's because they have a lot of liquidity on hand. Yeah. So is a move like that? I mean, I don't know how much I didn't dive into their financials or anything, but something like that is a little premature. No, I don't think so. No. I think you do it while you can. You you send a strong signal to the market and you try to prop your, your price up. I think people a lot of times think that the the performance of a company is enough to move the stock price. That's not always the case. You can mm-hmm. do everything right, right, and sometimes not move your stock price as a publicly traded company. Mm-hmm. So I think that people put too much pressure on that, and and limiting the amount of shares that are out there is one way to help keep your stock price up and keep the exclusivity there a little bit, right? Yeah, You're just pulling all that extra stock out of the market. Exactly. So I mean, it is what it is. But let's focus on the tenure treasury for a little bit, shall we? Okay. Ten-year Treasury yield briefly hits its highest level since November, according to CNBC. The yield on the benchmark 10-year Treasury note was last lower by one basis point at 3.912%. Earlier, it touched a high of 3.983%. Its highest level since November 10th, and I believe it went up today. Meanwhile, the yield on the 30-year Treasury bond rose less than 1% to 3.922%. Mind you, this is what drives and pushes mortgage rates higher. It's exactly what I was going to mention, right? I know the mortgage rates loosely follows the, the 10-year treasury, right? 10-year treasury, in my mind, is, is, is the biggest emphasis and biggest push on that. And I think it certainly follows that. Yeah. 10-year treasury closed today 4.038%. Wow. That is a massive move. And if you look at the chart going back to April, it was way lower. But to me, this this has a lot of signals just flashing. Right. This is not good. I mean, as of today, mortgage the uh, thirty year fixed rate was at seven point one percent. Yeah. For mortgage rates. And remember when we were talking about it being seven percent, we're like, you know, it can go closer to eight percent by the end of the mm-hmm. year. It didn't really get, you know, eight to ten percent by the end of the year like we thought it was going to. But people started celebrating the dip. And right. I was I was literally DMing like if I I'm the kind of person where if I go on social media, Instagram, and I've been taking a little bit of a cleanse this week. I don't know if you guys noticed on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to take some time away. And is that is that what, or you just got too busy? Come on, I got, I got too busy, but I knew I was going to be busy this week, so I was mm-hmm. I was trying to you know just 
there's a lot of toxicity out there, man. We'll talk about social media a little bit later uh, in a different kind of article that I, that I brought up, and I thought this was kind of timely. But mm -hmm. one of the things I do happen to do, though, when I am on social media, is if I see you posting some stuff as a, as a friend mm -hmm. that I think is completely bullshit, like you start celebrating the rates are going down. Yeah. I know a lot of people in the mortgage industry. Yeah. I'm all up in your DMs. Yeah? I'm all up in calling, your DMs. Calling people out. Paragraphs on paragraphs. Jeez, you got it, man. Letting, letting you know. Look, man, I got psychological, psychological problems. So when I see you do this, it makes me crazy. That's a lot of negativity for you, though. Man. I know, you gotta, you gotta I let know. that shit go. I like putting it out there. I can't do it. You like putting? If it you're out gonna misinform him, what do you what do you, what do you like to put out there? I like to put all my stuff out there. All the stuff in the ether. Do you call out all your realtor friends too? I call out a lot of them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Are they all saying bye, bye, bye? Best time to buy. Not all of them. You know, we we can so we blanketly label realtors, right? Yeah. I, I think we do that too much. There's a lot of good realtors out there who are, and there's some that are still some, some that are it. some that are following us. Yeah, a lot of them that follow mm -hmm. us. There's a lot of good realtors out there, man. But the problem is, is that the, the industry gets tainted with a lot of people who because there's low bar to entry, there's low barrier, mm -hmm. right? So the industry gets tainted by these people who come in with these expectations to get rich. Some of them cut corners. Some of them don't have the same professionalism. They're not in it for a career. They're in it for the money per se. Yes, and there's nothing wrong with being in it for both, but you got to treat it like a career. And th those. The mass amount of people who can enter the space and put little effort in, little energy in, and, and call themselves a realtor still having little credentials and little experience, right? It really tarnishes the the, the brand. I, I would love to see the bar be set higher, and then to put like a, a mandatory like internship. Yeah, right? like you gotta you gotta have like real working practice underneath a broker, like per se, mm -hmm. before you can even list a home for a certain period of time. Like contractors have to do something similar, right? Yeah, contractors have to show their work experience. You have to have somebody sign off. On how your much? Experience. How much? How many hours is it? Uh, mine was owner builder, so I I would do work on my own properties, but I had to show the title. I had to talk about what I was doing, the trades, and then I had to pass two different exams to get there. It was one was I think it was, I think one was actually on the trade, and then one was more like reading. It was more technical. I don't remember. It's been a while. Right. Yeah. There's there's nothing better than on the job training. Yeah, on the job training is amazing, man. Yeah, people, people underestimate the, mm -hmm. underestimate the hell out of like how real world work does stuff. Like, right, it's implication. But to uh, to go in further on that mortgage man, so mortgage man actually hit a twenty eight year low. Uh, mortgage Bankers Association on March first released that mortgage applications were down five point seven percent from the pr prior week. Yeah, I saw you post this, and I thought to myself, like, how many times are we going to see this article before they're going to say, you know what, mortgage, just, mortgage industry broken, just fucked up, it's not working. They, they, <laughs> go home. Yeah, I mean, it's literally been the same sentiment over and over again for like right. the last year. But these, so these are the the reports that we talk about so frequently that I figured that we should keep bringing them up at least every month, right? Just just to remind everybody in the mortgage industry, you ain't making any no. Money these so these are, these are these are the ones that people like to follow, right? So there's also the Case Shiller Index. I'm love probably, the, I love the Case Shiller Index. Yeah, big fan. Yeah, Febr on February 28th, they released home prices decreased slightly in December, falling 0.8 percent month to month. Mm. Home prices are still up 5.8 percent year over year. I call bullshit. Yeah, I call. I really call bullshit. Now, now home prices are a lacking indicator. Mm -hmm. But how many? I mean, we went. On, we did a whole segment on a previous show about mm -hmm. the Black Knight data reported by Yahoo, mm -hmm. and we talked about all those cities. I think the highest one was close to thirteen percent. Yeah, and I'm sitting here going, okay, if that's true, and there's a whole litany of them all the way down. I think we stopped at like eight percent or something like that, or six percent. Yeah. How how who's gaining to offset that? Right. How are you going to tell me it's up by 5%? It's not only gaining, but gaining a lot. Yeah, because I know what people have been citing is if you take if you look at the average of mortgage rates over the last 30 years, it's, so, it's somewhere around like 6%. So that's what's being sold to them right now. Ugh. Yeah. I don't like so that. So it's like, it's like okay, if, uh, if you look at it over the last 30 years, 
You know, I'm not getting that bad of a you deal. You know what I was going to do on this show? And I, I like, I'd like to point out that I'm, I'm a bigger person. And I, why'd you laugh? Because <laughs> you, <laughs> you are a bigger a, a person. Laugh. Hold on a second. <laughs> Look at what, yourself, What bro? was that about? Just the way you say it, I'm, I'm the bigger, I'm the bigger person. person. I'm just trying to let you know because Dave Ramsey doubled and tripled down on a stupid like home prices are not going to go down rhetoric. Yeah. Again, he literally posted a couple like I should I want to bring it up, but I'm not going to do that because I've, I've gone too far on him as it is. But it's just it's so infuriating. He's gone out again saying home prices aren't going down. I don't know what you're talking about. Goddamn. And I'm like, come on, man. They have to go down. Even if, even if you just look at the data that we know to be true right now, mm-hmm. if you have a caller calling you from San Jose, Sacramento, like you know, yeah. San Diego, right, Arizona, right, like they're they're literally going down right now, and you're saying home prices are going to go down. Shouldn't you say home prices are going to go down everywhere? I well, mean, what, however you want to spin the narrative. If home prices don't go down, let me tell you, the FOMC is going to get really upset because well, we, then it's fifty basis points at every single increase. Exactly. So if you want the pain to stop, it needs to come down. Because it's it's like thirty three percent of the entire report. I started hearing Mary J. Blige in my head. You're coming, Dad. No, Mary J. Blige. Really? That's who we're citing. That's now. a reference. I don't think millennials know who that is. I don't. I don't think you can ever cite Mary J. Blige. Me? Yeah. Why? That's not. That's not who you are. That's Come my on. generation. That's your generation. Yeah, I didn't mean I was like massively into it, but you know, she's my generation. You were massively into Mary J. Blige. No, I said it wasn't like I was massively into Mary J. Blige. Uh-huh. But I mean, she has some good hits, man. She's got good hits. Yeah, good hits. Oh, really? Name me three. I can't do that. I know. <laughs> I knew it. Come on, man. Well, I'm just saying, like, there's some songs that I like. What? Tell me. Give, like, the ha, one I just how about sing. this? How about this? Give me two. Let me think. Uh, oh, oh, dude, hooking them up, dude. Family Affair, yeah. Be Without You, and Real Love. Oh, Not Gonna Cry is also a good one. You know what? I'm going down too. Yeah, I am going down. <laughs> you could have named me two. What are you talking about? I just named you five. Damn. Mary Jane, that's a gimme. Mr. Wrong. <laughs> Mr. Wrong. I almost said Mr. Wong. I know you were. I was like, oh, you see what I saw, Mr. Wong. <laughs> I saw it on your face. You wanted to I wanted so, to bad. so bad. <laughs> I mean, Mary J. Blige singing a song about Mr. Wong would be awesome. <laughs> I need new glasses. It's yeah. terrible. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's get back to work, shall we? But yeah, so, and then pending home sales were up 8.1% month over month. Can you believe that shit? Nah, I believe it. I mean, people will get people get tired. Yeah, I can believe it. Eight percent, huh? Just eight percent month over month. I mean, there's a lot of pent up consternation. But I feel like that it, it should it it needs to be keep coming down. It will in aggregate over over a longer period of time. Yeah. Keep in mind, people are just now starting to be afraid. Right. A couple, so I'll tell you how how much this is serious. I've even and I've got ample income. I've even had conversations with my wife like, "What are we spending on? Yeah. Where can we cut uh, back? Everyone should though. Everyone." Everyone should. Why, why are you asking your wife? Hold, hold on. on. Oh, I, no. I, I, you're right. Odin's no, right. Odin, on, why, why, why do you keep that? laughing, dude? Odin, he's like, he's right. Serious you, know what, you, know, you know why? Because what? He, he, what, what, what? Why are you talking to your wife about that? What do you mean? What, 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 are, what are we spending money on? Bro, because, I can I'm, just picture her right now just looking at you and just like shoulder shrugger. No, no, no. no she's, looking at, she's looking at you. She's like, Chris, I'm running the house. That's what I'm doing. She does say that. That is Because she is. Yeah, no, that's a real thing. Bitch, dinner? That was me. Wow. What did you say? I'm sorry. Well, I didn't get that. I, whoa. No, I, like she said that to you. Like, bitch, I, that, that's, not what, that's not what it sounds oh, like. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where's the money whoa. being spent? Yeah, she, bitch, he, it was spent on dinner. Yeah, I made she's that for you. she's talking. Oh, okay. See, I, he, think, he, I think you're clean, trying to clean that up. I don't think that's what you were coming no, off originally. That, that's what he said. No, I wasn't, honey. <laughs> you're, the, you're the you're yeah. you're the only only guy that would call somebody's wife and hear a 
<laughs> You've called both our wives. You're a very, very me guy. I, I believe you can use the term sarcastically. You see, I'm not asking him for an apology. Yeah. Because I respect where oh, he's coming from. I respect the sarcasm. But he definitely, see, see, yo, yo, I'm a bigger person than both of you. No, you're oh, not. Yeah, in again. more ways than one. Yeah, in more ways. I'm rotund. Rotund. But look, man, I, hit, I, I we legitimately had a conversation about spending just because I, I want to. Not that I'm saying I want to cut back like hugely, but I want to understand like where our extra spending is because I don't, I can't legitimately and honestly sit on this show and tell people like, hey, be concerned about your spending, start saving yeah. and not be thoughtful and pragmatic about what we're spending. I'm not saying that we're going to cut back on some luxury spending from time to time. But what I am saying is just like, look, like I'm spending a good deal amount of money on social media and I'm thinking about pulling back on that significantly. Mm -hmm. I don't know that there's any value to my family on that. I think at this point in time, having, having the money in the account is fine. And I can still put out content that I like other ways. You know, uh, we spend a good amount of money on childcare. I don't, think, I don't think you cut back there, but do I fly? Am I going to fly first class to Chicago? No. Right. I'm going to fly. You know, Gen Pop. Yeah, you got to look at what's the utility and what's not. Right. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm gonna. I mean, we're gonna be thoughtful. We're we staying like the, the same hotels we normally would stay at. Uh, we're staying at a nicer hotel, but are we gonna blow money in the hotel? No, we'll spend some nice dinners. You're, like, gonna, you're gonna keep buying eggs. Yeah, man. <laughs> got to. Yeah, man. Got to buy the eggs. Got to buy the eggs. I need protein. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dude. How many, you know, his, uh, what's his name? Sal eats like 10 eggs for breakfast every morning. Yeah, hard boiled. Bro, what is that? He's dirty. <laughs> no, he's not. He's not. He's clean. Yeah, I mean, look, 10 hard boiled eggs. That's what, I just don't want to eat that many eggs in a row. I mean. I like eggs, don't get me wrong, but 10 hard boiled eggs in a row? That's commendable. I saw some. I don't think they're hard boiled though. No, they're hard boiled. You see that photos of them on social media. Oh, really? Want to know how I know you're not a real fan? You want to know how I know you're not a real fan? How's that? What? He doesn't have social media. He got, he's got his shit taken down. Wrong. He's back again. He's back again? Yes, sir. I didn't oh. know that. Oh, everyone go over to Sal's page and follow him. Yeah. Mind Pump Sal? Yeah, no, it's Mind Pump Stefano. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. See, unlike you, I'm a loyal fan. I follow all of them. I didn't know he was back on. But clearly, you would. Yeah. Yeah, see, Adam tagged him in some stuff. The Mind Pump social media tagged him. I need to follow him right now. We we, can we pause the show so I can follow him? No, you can't. Bonds. Let's talk about bonds. We've talked a little about the treasuries mm -hmm. and, and the bond market, but let's get into a little more detail about bonds. All right. An article from Barron's, which is also something that Sai did not know existed and didn't recognize because he's a bad friend, but that's okay. Sal, I love you. Bond yields are rising as investors brace for steeper rate increases by the Federal Reserve. It's a bad sign for both bonds and stocks. The 10-year treasury, as we spoke about earlier, was at 4.07% on Thursday, today, the day of the show, mm -hmm. up around seven basis points. A basis point is a hundredth of a percent, which I thought was a cute way for them to explain that, because if you don't know from listening to the show, we actually haven't done that before. That's true. So a basis point, if you were to talk about 1.00%, would be 0.01 of that percent. Yes. The yield touched 4% on Wednesday for the first time since last November, like our previous article talked about, and is up sharply uh, from its year-to-date low of around 3.37% in mid-January. This according to the Barron's article, which titled, The Bond Market's Recession Siren Roars Louder As Rates Rise. And I would like to point out here, in this particular article, mm -hmm. that it is still, steel, steel. steel, it's still an inverted yield curve. Mm -hmm. You still have the treasuries inverted. So even though we're seeing this rise, they're rising somewhat parapasu where they're they're both rising at the same time. So, but the ten year is not rising fast enough to overcome the two years current rate. Yeah. So there's more rising to do in both of them. Mm -hmm. This will go farther. So yes, this is a big warning sign because if they have to go higher, 
to get out of this inversion, it's going to push the mortgage rate market really high. Which just means it's going to get harder to get there, right? And if we're at 7% now, yes. how far up do mortgage rates have to go before this yield curve inversion comes out? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm seriously concerned about what this does. And people are like, oh, my God, man, supply and demand. Yeah. Home prices aren't going to go down, which is what Dave Ramsey was saying yeah. again. This got me wanted also looking into like treasury bills. T-bills, baby. You know how much you can get for a six-month T-bill today? I do not know. 5.169%. Yeah. I six months. It. Yeah. Put your money in there for six months. You can make 5%. That's not a bad deal. A dude. long time ago, T-bills, uh, I-bonds, um, I mean, just the, even the savings account rate. Yeah. These were inconsequential numbers. You put them in there for safe places to put your money. Yes. But now, if you're not watching your rates on things like your, you know what, I'm, let's just take a little trip. How much are you earning on your savings account right now? Not much. Why? I know. I need to transfer it. What's not much? Give me like a ballpark. What do you think? A percent? Yeah, 1%. So a lot of people have like 1.4, 1%. Some people even less than 1% APY. Yeah. There's a lot of banks out there offering over four now, right? It's now significant enough money to get four, in some cases, even 5% recently. I've seen some crazy ass numbers. Yeah. I think uh, the cost of bar from the Federal Home Loan Bank, last I checked, was almost 5%. Right. And if... If you wanted to get into like the real estate game and you're holding off and you're saving money to invest, I mean, now wouldn't be a bad time to not only capitalize on higher yeah. interest rates at a you know a bank where you can create a relationship with, but also keeping your money there and ultimately you know and using that them as an avenue, yeah, or as a ve- as a vehicle to invest in your future. But it's properties. material now. Yes, years ago you got one percent, you got one and a half percent. It wasn't material. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're getting 1%, you can get five times that interest going to a different bank. That's crazy. It's material now. Mm-hmm. And people need to be cognizant of it because I know the old adage is if you save money, you're not investing money. And saving money is losing money to inflation. Mm-hmm. Not in this economic period. Right. Not right now. Saving money can earn you some good yield. Mm-hmm. What's inflation at right now? 6.4%? Right. CPI. CPI. 5% on a savings account is almost keeping up with CPI. Right. So don't think that you're just losing money with inflation like you typically would. Yeah. And as inflation comes down and your rates are still high until they come down, mm-hmm. until the Fed cuts rates, you will probably be earning more than inflation in just your savings account. Yeah. That's wild, man. It is. That's real wild. Wow. Are you really pulling up the, what is this, nerd wallet? Yeah, yeah. Well, they do. Keep good. going down. Keep going down. Keep going. Well, it does good stuff. Yeah, American Express. They've got. They've got I used to use them things. all the time for like credit card stuff. American Express for credit cards. No, or? no, Nerd Wallet. Oh yeah, I'm not a big fan of of Nerd Wallet per se, but they a lot of people go to it for deposit products. They want to go like put their money in something, and they look at the rates here, and they try mm-hmm. to they go with the top rated banks, do some research. It's shocking to me to this day how many people move around deposits like they're they're checking in savings account. Well, they realize they realize how you know what its value is now for a bank. Well, they rate shop. This has always been a thing. They rate shop, rate shop, rate shop. Mm-hmm. So, while we've tried to keep this educational and classy and clean, do we? No. There's another article from the street which I thought was interesting. So, I'm gonna, Arun. I'm going to help you out. Google uh, Bill Gross. He's a billionaire. Uh, while you're doing that. This article from the street titled, Billionaire Takes Shot at Kathy Wood, Those Who Promote Her. I think they're trying to suggest and those who promote her, but the word and is not there. 
Billionaire Bill Gross isn't impressed with Kathy Wood and her ARK Investment Management Kingdom, despite the media attention she garners. Neither am I. Mm -hmm. Gross, the retired co-founder of rival investment firm PIMCO, little tiny firm. Boys with Mohamed El Rain. Mohamed El Rain. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know their homies. The original gangsters from Crenshaw. Mm -hmm. Pointed to the fact that the QQQ, the investment ETF, uh-oh, buzzword of the day, Saeed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All the ETFs. That tracks the NASDAQ 100 has outperformed ARK by a wide margin over the past five years. There's a quote here. CNBC slash media idolatry. Shout out for that one, right? <laughs> you got, you yeah, nailed it. Yeah, yeah, we were both surprised. <laughs> or the idolization of Kathy Wood is absurd. Over the past five years, QQQM, their symbol, has outperformed ARK, A-R-K-K, by nearly 100%, he tweeted Monday. That's a savage move by this guy. Savage move. Well, what, did he, what did she do to him? She didn't do anything, but here's the thing that, that's just, I don't understand. And I'm going to be candid here. Please take gender out of this. This has nothing to do with gender. No, it's not. Some people will listen to this and they'll, they'll get there. She gets an amazing amount of coverage on CNBC and an amazing amount of press Yes, for somebody whose fund has not performed well. And on a previous show, she came out and said that she and her fund were the next NASDAQ. Yes. The NASDAQ's an exchange. Right. What are you? What crack pipe are you smoking? Yeah. So, so she's she's the founder of Arc Investment. She's widely respected because she's viewed as someone who is self-made. You know her middle name? I'm not gonna say it. Say it. I'm not gonna say it. It's Duddy. It's Duddy. D U D D Y. That's that's how a, mature we are. It's a U. We make we make fun of people's names now. No, Catherine Duddy Wood is an American investor and the founder and CEO and CIO of Arc Investment Management Firm. Mm-hmm. Her friends call her Duddy. That yeah yeah true friends. Not me. No. So I call her Kathy Wood. Yeah. That being said, not a huge fan. Now, William Hunt, Bill Gross. Grossly rich. Which is like four first names. Yeah. He outdid me. Is an American investor and fund manager best known for co-founding Pacific Investment Management Company, PIMCO. Is a global fixed income investment company. Gross ran their $270 billion total return fund before leaving to join Janus Capital Group. In September 2014, he's 78 years old from Middletown, Ohio. I didn't know he owned Janus Capital. You don't know what that is? No, I do. I, my mom had my mutual funds in there growing up. No kidding. Yeah. Did not know you had mutual funds. Yeah, well, that's, that was my mom's investment tool. It was a very enlightening conversation. Yeah. That being said, I get where he's coming from. She gets so much coverage, and yet her performance is so terrible. And I look at someone like, like Jim Cramer's got a TV show. And he's 100% wrong 100% of the time. But you can, you can go like, okay, he's trolling people. Like he's just, he's just I don't think he's, I, don't, I really don't think he's trying to troll. I, I really do. Really? I think it's all an inside joke. You can't be as, as wrong as he is consistently and not know it. Well, we need to now look up what, what things he's been right on. You know, I, I, I really have a difficult time even believing that he was ever yeah, right about him. I'm trying to think through my mind like, when is Jim Carrey right? At the end of the day, he is winning, dude. He's got how many TV shows? One. He sat down and interviewed Jamie Dimon. You yeah. sit down and interview yeah. Jamie Dimon? No, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. But I, I think Jamie Dimon was really offended by it. <laughs> yeah. He was giving him the, the he big. Said, <laughs> he, gave, he gave him the, like, some of the wrongest, wrong Man, Geopolitical events. You know, you got Ukraine and then you got, you know, the oil stuff. There's a the Chinese spy balloon. Jim. Yeah. There's lots of stuff out there, Jim. Dude, I was listening to I was listening to another podcast and they were talking about What? These. 
they're talking after listening to our podcast, both on Apple and on Spotify to give us in the their double, entirety. Yeah. In the entirety to give us the double listen. Okay. I accept. Please continue. Yeah. Um, I, and listeners should do that too. And by the way, we'll pause for a second. What? If you haven't left us an honest five-star review. Wow. Old school uh, throwback. Old school. We could use it. We're you going to fuck this up as much as you did the intro? No, we're trying to get to that 200. So please, whether you listen on Apple or on Spotify, please leave us an honest five-star review. We got one that we're going to go read at the end of the show. Right, Odin? Very special five-star review. Yeah, that was, I mean, impressive. It was impressive. Sometimes. But I was, I was listening I was listening to a, another podcast talk about the Chinese spy balloons. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, dude, America's ability... To not give a fuck about anything, like how do we have spy balloons flying around? And a week later, no one's talking about it. We're like, it's like we're over it. Who cares? Like that's that, not even an issue because that's not the, the media plays it, bro. It's like no, but no, but the media. Okay, but we let the media control our minds like that. Yes. How do we not care? Yes, because we're we're animals. Like how we're, do we? We're rats in a maze. We're ants in a, in a cage, ever, man. We, we, won't, we won't go too deep Is that into a this. Rage from machine song. Rage, 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 rage machine. Rage, 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 rage for the machine song. Is that rage for the machine. Rage how many more times do you want to fuck this up? Rage what? Rage against the machine. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> how many more times yeah. do you want to fuck this up? Wait, I, look, I'm sorry. I'm not as culturally abreast of current affairs like you guys are because I'm busy being in finance. Okay. Yeah. I do finance stuff with finance things. Okay. <laughs> Rage Against Machines from the early 2000s. I know, man. I should know who they are, but I was, I was very, I was very much into Easy E back then, bro. <laughs> Respect. Respect. You chose the right side. Yeah, it's you know NWA with the homies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I didn't rage. Uh, yeah, I banged. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you banged. Not Ricky Martin banged. The other kind of bang. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, our ability to not care about things and get over things so quickly is is seriously probably one of the most Dude, impressive things. We we were in we were literally in a recession and people were like, "Ah, it's, it's amazing. Things are getting better already. It's great." Yeah. And you're like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah. This is terrible. And people are like, "I mean, we get one good print of jobs. People are like, it's amazing." Yeah. The the market's great. It's super strong. And you're like, "What do you what do you why? Like what are we doing?" There's a they were they were listing off like a laundry list of of things that how like we don't care about them. When's the last time you heard anyone talk about Epstein? How we just forget about that? That's cool. Yeah. Hey, we nothing. we invaded we invaded the wrong country in Afghanistan and stayed there for twenty years. We don't care. Hey, it's okay. Not Bill, a problem. Bill Cosby gets out of jail. I haven't heard a damn peep from him in how long? How long? How do we not care? No one cares. No one cares. It's amazing. I mean, some of the stuff that's going on. But we care. Even... We care about Biden not being able to finish a sentence. <laughs> or him falling again, get on a plane. Oh, oh he fell again. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, Leader of the free world. Yeah, man. Or like, oh my God, it is absolutely frigid outside, man. Yeah. Woo. And then you see like all these like articles about this historic, unprecedented cold front coming through. Mm-hmm. But the Chinese spy balloons are still up there looking at the weather patterns. Bro, how is that not a not a problem? How, you know what is crazy? Is that this is like a Chinese billionaire who went missing? Oh, the guy from Alibaba. Yeah. They just took him away. Took and then him he away. Came, came back like months later, smiling. Yeah. And just like it looked like, you know, uh well, you know he's an android, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that's not the real him anymore. Yeah, it's like I was. It was in training camp for billionaires uh, with the government, the communists. It's government. like it, it's almost like they performed that like Manchurian Candidate type stuff on them. Just to, oh, to for sure they did. Oh yeah, like here's how this works. <laughs> this guy, yeah, bro. no, not not him. Yeah, that's him, bro. That's the CEO of Alibaba. Yeah, yeah like, that, no, that, that's Jack, Jack Ma. No, Jack Ma is who they did it to. No, there's another guy who just disappeared. 
Another guy? It was another guy who was a billionaire who just. Oh, no, but they did it to Jack Ma, too. Yeah, I'm telling you, all these people like. And they did it, to, I think, some tennis player. I don't, I don't know about tennis yeah, player. Yeah, like a female female tennis player. But we got to stop talking about that, man. Bro, one, day, you, one day I'm going to come in here, you're going to be disappeared. I'm bro, gonna... I'm stop. I'm not even... Yeah, Bao Fan. Bao Fan, billionaire tech tech banker in China reported missing. Bao Fan. For what? What did he say? I don't think he said anything. I think he just. He had to have said something, bro. What do you mean? No, I think he just disappeared. Baofan, the chief executive uh, of China Renaissance Holdings, never heard of it, had not been able to be reached in recent days, the firm said in a market update on Thursday. It's, that's bad when your company's like, we have a middle final. That's scary, man. We have a middle final. Mr. Bao is leading uh, is a leading broker, dealer, whatever the hell he is in China, uh, whose clients include top tech companies, Didi, and I can't say the other one. His firm's announcement has renewed concerns of a potential Beijing crackdown on finance and tech figures. Shares in the investment firm, nobody cares. The board added it was not aware of, quote, any information that indicates that Mr. Bao's unavailability is or might be related to the business and or operations of the group, end quote. Basically saying, look, we don't know where he's at, but we still operate and making cash money. Yeah. A good looking dude, right? I mean, not a bad looking dude. Got the buzz hair thing going. He got style. He's got style. He, he, knows he's, he's, he knows what he's doing. He's doing his thing. Well, it'd be before he got abducted. Yeah. The disappearance of Peng Shui. Peng Shui. I can't yeah, this is a female tennis player. Occurred after 2 November 2021 when tennis star Peng uh, accused former Chinese Vice President Zhang Goli of sexual assault three years earlier. Yeah. Three uh, years earlier he's coming right back now. for you. That's so... Wow. It's crazy, man. Like, to think you can just disappear like that and the country's behind it. That That's cool. that's that's mind-blowing. The country's behind it, but then you got to wonder, like, how much of this actually gets reported to their own citizens? They don't, oh. they don't even know. These, these are these are prominent people who, who disappeared. Imagine if you're just nobody. Yeah, but they don't have access. They probably don't have access to it. They control everything that they see. 100% they do. So, like, you can't even... You can't even, like a fear you can't even... You can't even... Bro, the media outlets out there, they're not even reporting on this. No, not at all. Yeah. The only reason this made the news because the company was like, yeah, we haven't seen him. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Literally what it had. They had an earnings yeah. call and it was like, where's your CEO? They're yeah. like, we don't, we, don't, we don't know. Yeah. Uh, we're communists in this country. Uh, you can draw your own inferences from that, but we love China. Yeah. That's, that's probably what was happening. Man. So, let, I mean. Can you stay is, on topic? Just we're off on a tangent. No, this is a good, this is a good segue. Uh, you, okay. you just don't see the, you don't see the game here. Oh, I, see what I understand. You're, oh, you're low okay. level. It's fine. <laughs> TikToks, tweets, and teen girls. <laughs> Said like this article for all the obvious reasons. This is from an Inc. article. And I got two things to say before we jump into this, okay? Okay. Number one. How did you come across this? I'm glad you brought that up because that's thing number one. Yes. Okay. Thing number one is, is I've upgraded my family to Apple One. So instead of paying $36 a month for all the services, we're now paying $34. And I also get access to the arcade and premium news. The arcade. Yeah, I haven't used it yet, but it, I'm assuming there's something sexy there. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the reason I have been on social media. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so Alex Ohanian is the co-founder, I believe, of Reddit. Yeah, co-founder of Reddit. And husband to Serena Williams. And husband to Serena out. Williams. I can't read the left column because the room's over here playing around. Thank you very much. When he co-founded Reddit in 2005, Alex Ohanian could never have dreamed of social platform that would eventually be $6 billion, but that's what he got. He just wanted people to share stories. Here, Ohanian reflects on the evolution of social media and what's next for the industry. I found these three questions and three answers fascinating. Okay. And I think the three of us, and Arun, I encourage you to use your marketing mindset and jump in on this so your mic is hot. Let's go. Right by your face. Hot. Question number one, how will social media change over the next decade? Great question. That is a great, great question. question. Answer is intriguing. I think as 
a society were tapped out on the current model. Mm-hmm. I see it anecdotally and in the data in terms of time spent and engagement. Mm-hmm. Social media was marketed as a chance to connect with people all over the world. This work is interesting. But everyone is a brand online now. We're all performing in some way. Plus, we've seen how these algorithms metastasize the worst behavior and reward tribalism. Right. I mean, if that isn't profound, I don't... I don't it was profound. It is profound. I was just, I was just, I couldn't stop staring at your Obama hands. I was in Obama <laughs> a little bit. But look, I, I think it's important to, to know, can you stay focused on the topic? This is really important. Yes. This is a generational problem. You're just walking right over it, just like you're the U.S. I know, you're back on your soapbox. I want you to read this. I'm not, I'm back on my soapbox. I'm just saying, could you, could you give some, you know, professional courtesy? Yes, yes. Some of us over here trying to be, you know, imparting knowledge on people. Oh, you, you turn his mic hot. I know, so he can speak. Yeah. Speak. What's the question? I'm turning your mic off. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm turning your mic. Your mic's off. Question number two. Is that why people demand, quote, authentic content on TikTok? Even more fascinating still. Demand authentic content? Let let, let me ask you a question before we get to the What is authentic content? On TikTok, you're not really as curated. You're supposed to be making content that you make. Yes. So TikTok is supposed to be more of a raw, gritty vibe because it's not this pre-filmed on a camera and uploaded generally. But there are some creators who do that as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, the, I've seen a lot of things. I don't. I personally have never downloaded TikTok, so I don't know. Okay. But I have seen some people send me stuff on there where they're, um, I guess, doing voiceovers or they're taking like a comedy special and they're acting out the comedy bits. There's a lot of that. Yeah. Like that's not very authentic. Or they're taking. They they do these like little games against one another just to grab people's attention, mm-hmm. you know. Quit. So I wouldn't consider that like authentic. Okay, well let me read you. The you know what I consider? Uh, yeah, okay. go ahead. TikTok is still hacking our brains. Period. That's mm-hmm. right out the gate. Yeah, hacking our brains. This is scary. The government employees, by the way, in the United States, have been given I think thirty or sixty days to remove yeah. this app. They were banned, and then somebody over in China commented saying like, "By I can't believe Biden's actually afraid of this." When in reality, in China. They're limited to only like 40 minutes at a time. Uh, yes, the kids are. And yeah. it promotes educational content. And the whole Joe Rogan does a great thing on this. So um, we're not connecting with anyone. We're just hamsters on the wheel trying to figure out how to get another reward. Mm-hmm. The success of Be Real, which Arun, look up later. Don't do it now because I can't read it if you do. On the other hand, has reinforced my belief that the second wave of social media will be driven by Gen Z's fundamentally different mindset. I hope so. Be Real is popular because Gen Z does not want to be married to the phone experience. I love that. But hear this. This is interesting. They want to live their life, get a push notification, and be like, all right, I'm going to use my phone now. Click, click. Let's share this moment. Okay, cool. Now back to living my life. Teenage girls historically are the driving force behind all of these consumer social pro- products. If you can build something that they're happy with, you can win. True. I agree. I, I agree with that. Something that does also bother me about TikTok, and I've heard, I don't know, you said uh, Joe Rogan, maybe I heard this on Rogan's podcast. Mm. I know a lot of people has, have touched on this, is that it really bothers me how, how can you create a TikTok account, it should easily be identifiable the user and how old they are and they should not like send you videos of like underage girls performing whatever the hell they're doing it's like they should be able to like they veer, that, veer that away they can, and why they don't want the, they want the viewership i know and, and that's what bothers me about it it's like i don't know very so very be evil. real is a social media app that might just bring back a little bit of authenticity to our social media posts 
There are no filters, followers, or preparation allowed on the app. It's all about in-the-moment photos that, end quote, being real. App users receive a daily notification at random times of the day that says, time to be real. As soon as you get the notification, you have two minutes to take a selfie and a back camera photo of what you're doing at that very moment. If you choose to wait to post a picture later in the day when you look better or are doing something fun, all your friends will be able to see that you waited and aren't being real. Wow. I think it's pretty cool. I, I, I like the concept. I'm sure someone's going to find a way to ruin it. I never, I never heard of this for this article. Not, neither have I. No. Yeah. But I know that Casey Neistat start, started um, an app a while ago that he wanted to create something like this where the app would only work if you held the phone to your chest and it started recording out and then CNN bought the app. I think it was called Beam. Yeah, but it didn't do too good. Yeah, it didn't do too good, but CNN bought it from him. This is going to be another phase, like Instagram, Meta. They're going to purchase Was Snapchat like this supposed to be too? That's why it only had stories. It was supposed to be like this, yeah. Yeah, it's just going to... And Instagram will try to incorporate it. Exactly. Instagram's going to buy it or Meta, I guess. It'll call it your real feed. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to do something. Snapchat will probably add it in as well. And just take over. Exactly. They're going to. So here's an interesting thing. So the third question, which I'll read to you. What do you think that will be referring, you know, referencing what the next big thing will be? Mm -hmm. The content could be a remix of current format, like short form looping video or something truly novel. What needs to change is the business model. And I completely agree with this. That's why I invest in Patreon, Mm. the subscription platform for creators. We need something decentralized. Now, this is really interesting. Perhaps using the blockchain. That's not supported by advertising, where creators can be fairly paid for their work and own their content. Someone who can build that will change everything. I love that. So what he's really saying without saying it is, if you had an ecosystem that wasn't controlled by Meta, wasn't controlled by Twitter, wasn't controlled by somebody else, so the algorithm didn't pimp you things because it wanted you to do things. Mm-hmm. It literally gave you what you wanted to see and you paid for the things that you did want to see more of. Right. You're now paying that creator direct. Yes. Cutting out the middleman and you're not getting an algorithmic change. You're getting content that you like or that somebody that sent it to you that knows that you like it. Right. That's incredible. I like that. And I like that because it's it's also harder... But porn would ruin that because it would, if it was decentralized and there was no regulation, mm-hmm. people would make it a very toxic environment and you couldn't have it. You have no way to control it. Yeah. And you have, and you have to pay to see it, right? So I don't, it's not like you're getting, you're not getting pushed something that you don't want to see and how you can get easily offended. Yeah. Right. And somehow find a way and mess around and get canceled. Fuck around and find out. Mm-hmm. Um, My favorite I, game. Your favorite game is fuck around and find out? Love that game. Really? I've been playing a what lot. What was the it. most recent thing you fucked around and found out about? Ooh, that's a good question. That's a that's a compelling. That's a vintage Barbara Walter style question. You're welcome. Allow me to think about it for a second. What was the last thing I fucked So, out. question: Isn't this kind of like only true fans or only fans? I don't know how how does your subscription work. I don't yeah. know how does that how does that work for you. I can't even yeah. say it without thinking about it because I I love my wife so much that I can't even think about subscribing. So you'd have to tell me how your subscription works because no, it makes me nervous that, even thinking about isn't it. Isn't that kind of like Twitter where? People just post things. Arun, as a happily married man, would you know? Oh, you call me Arun? Oh, I did call you Arun. (laughs) (laughs) I I have no idea. I looked inside and said Arun. I've actually... (laughs) With a hand gesture. I'm very very discombobulated because, like, you know, 
obviously Said and I are are good husbands. Good husbands. If you want to talk about it, whatever yeah, you got. Yeah, whatever yeah. you got. Yeah. Oh, but I'm not intrigued not by OnlyFans at all. I'm not intrigued by it at all. The whole concept of it to me just screams bad parenting. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I just yeah, bad relationships. I don't, yeah, want, I don't want no part of. I want to, I want to pay for everybody's psychology problems, but I just, you know, yeah, I, I, I want to help. But if you yeah, want to contribute I'm, to the, I'm interested in in understanding the difference between Patreon and OnlyFans. Aren't they theoretically the same thing? Then I have no idea, but this Isn't would be a great Patreon. Just oh, is it video as well? It's only video. I, I mean, it, it's that that's the only thing that I've seen on there. Oh, don't they do audio hey, as room. well? Don't you don't you Google yes. stuff when we have questions? Yes. Sorry, yeah. it's in the middle <laughs> of the conversation. Isn't that your thing? I have to type and speak. Like, yeah, <laughs> just, I'm this just saying. This is your job. Yeah, no, you're right. They do audio as well, but uh, it comes in a video format, and then you pay like a subscription model to um, be able to view like exclusive content. I don't think their website's going to tell you very much. You should go to like back to the Google page. Yeah, yeah. It's but, the best place no. for creators to build, and I can't read anymore, memberships I like, by providing exclusive access to their work and deeper connection to their community. So I'll go to the right there, yeah. Patreon then, is a membership platform that provides business tools for content creators to run a subscription service. It helps creators and artists earn a monthly income by providing mm -hmm. rewards and perks to their subscribers. Mm -hmm. I mean, that doesn't sound that sexy. OnlyFans is an internet content subscription like, service based in London, UK. Services used primarily by sex workers who produce a word I can't say, uh, X-rated <laughs> content, but it also hosts the work of other content creators such as physical fitness experts and musicians. Really? Yeah, I like mean, that's um, what people tell their wives. Yeah, like, no, like that. Hey, this is why I got it. If you sing in the nude, you're still a musician, right? Catch me outside, girl, right? Bad uh, baby. Yeah. No, she has like a. Pornography thing. Going oh, on does she? I don't, only, I don't know what's only, porn. I think it's, it's on only, on OnlyFans. I think it's nudity. I, you tell okay. me. You subscribe. I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I know. I only know because she made fifty-two million dollars. This is why, this is why it, it'll never, it'll never outdo like YouTube or Instagram because at the end of the day, there's always people going to be out there reaching for that money grab, and people aren't going to want to pay. How, like, how many content creators? You know, you don't have that much time, but like Odun, how many content creators do you follow? And that you you regularly check in with, and uh, best believe it, the younger demographic has a whole bunch. Like I'm do. not going to pay like three dollars for each, you know, three dollars a month or even one dollar a month for each content creator that I like. I wouldn't do that at all. I would if never you, do if that. You, if you made me pay, I just I just wouldn't do it. Yeah. And I, so here's the thing: is I find the way that the younger generation uses social media to be so fascinating. Like the way my brother and sister, my brother and sisters use mm -hmm. social media mm -hmm. is way different than we do. How how so? Like. My brother will use it to send me like funny videos, but he doesn't connect with people on it. Like he doesn't use social media to connect, mm -hmm. and like he he's one of those people who has like his like, Instagram wall, right? Like your yeah. your, your yeah. posts. Yeah, he doesn't really post anything there except for like unique, special, like rare moments, like maybe twice or three times a year at most. Right. He doesn't really post anything to his stories either. All he does is really use it to read content and to send like funny stuff to his friends. Yeah. But he he's not read content. He just looks at the headline. Remember, he talked about that. Yeah, we can talk about that. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to be nice. Yeah, but look, I mean, I get it. But it, it it's a I mean, it's I guess different that, use to me. That's like, kind I don't of, understand. That's kind of I mean, that's kind of what I use Instagram for, other than posting stuff for the show. I still don't use it to its full capabilities because I don't even know what what that is. So what you're saying is is Mr. Ohanian, whatever his name is, Alexis, is right that we're all effectively using it to broadcast what we want people to see not who we actually are it's not real i don't think it's real i don't i i mean i don't think anyone 
anyone who thinks Instagram is real has a has a real problem. But wasn't it originally real at one point? I, I remember know. my first. Yeah, I remember exactly where I was when I downloaded and started using Instagram. Mm-hmm. I was at a pool party in Irvine, and I took a photo of the sky. Yeah, and that was my first post. And I used one of the vintage filters. I thought it was cool. Yeah, but I never really posted like a lot mm-hmm. about my personal life. It was always other stuff. Yeah. But it isn't social media. Anymore. But you're, you've always tried to, not you, but people have always tried to portray something or curate a certain image. They're selling something. Yeah. They're selling something exactly to someone. What that is, I don't know. But um, it's just the lifestyle they're living. Yeah. And yeah. that was the thing that always turned me off to it. That's what, why that what turned you on. <laughs> not having one. Not having you, not, you're not having social media turns you on. So you've been turned off. For I, a liked, long. I liked, I liked being, I liked being disconnected for a long time. You still like being disconnected? Yeah. But yet you have social media. I'm on it literally uh, Tuesdays and Fridays, the days we post. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've uh, I've made a pretty conscious effort the last couple of years to be posting pretty frequently on all platforms. Yeah. Uh, some more than others. Instagram, certainly the most. Uh, Twitter and LinkedIn, pretty frequently. And to a lesser degree, YouTube. Yeah. But I don't really know if there's any value in it for me per se not yet or ever maybe if we don't if we don't desire to sell something to grow the show maybe maybe you know yeah. but I, don't, I don't know that it'll ever be like a huge thing yeah well, since you're actually the, active I, sorry go ahead no, no, no sorry you go ahead since you're actually active on social media chris mm. if you could only choose one account to have or platform which one would it be well, for my personal taste, it would be Instagram under the current format just because I'm the most comfortable on it. Mm-hmm. If I were a celebrity, it would probably be Twitter. Really? Because it gives you a single unilateral you know, source to, to broadcast. For my taste, it'd be YouTube. Uh, I like YouTube. If you're a different type of content creator, yeah, yeah for sure. But being, a, I think people underestimate how difficult it is to be like a real... I mean, I'm not talking about the YouTube automation bullshit where you make somebody makes your videos and you're just trying solely to make money. But if you want to be creative yeah. and use that as an outlet... In like long and short form video format, yeah, it takes work, man. Yeah, you got to dedicate time to especially it. Especially if you want, if you have an image, like we all have seen enough videos now where the editing is immaculate. Oh my god, yes. And you're like, I want to be, I want to be able to say that I create, I can create this too. But in order to do that, it takes a long time. And yeah, it, it's and, not as simple as recording a video. It's recording yeah. a video. Editing the 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 aesthetic of the looks, right? The light, the 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 colors, everything. I mean, the mu- know, the, the mu- audio, the audio, the yeah. music behind it, all of it. You know what I mean? The cuts, the transitions, you name it. Well, I know that's one of your hobbies. You do make those family videos. I like, yeah, I like. I got insp- I got inspired by Casey years back, and I never got to fully dive into it the way I truly would because I, w- I would never get around to making a video if that was the case because it would just take forever to make one. So I always end up like never reaching it never reached its full potential but it's something that i do for the kids mm. yeah because i remember growing up my parents their home videos were just us in a room and they held a camera i was like okay well i want i want the story to be a little different you know so i'm gonna ask you a very difficult question oh we all have cell phones mm-hmm. turn your phone to landscape record yeah it's the exact same thing as a home movie don't you think you could do that, store your videos in the cloud in perpetuity and you give your kids the same type of exposure? Mm-hmm. You don't have to curate it through a video. You do the video videos because you also like making them too. I do, but I also make the videos because I hope one day when they go back to watch the videos, they'll be like, 
oh man, dad really put time into making these videos. Well, the other thing with you is also the videos that you create is sharing a story for a whole weekend. Yes. Versus here's one clip of you at a park dribbling a basketball. Right, like I was able to catch Adam and Arya's first steps, you know, and I turned that into like a video. Adam's first haircut, Arya's first haircut, you know, some of the family vacations that we went on. And it's not usually like a video like that. You, you're trying to tell a story about the whole vacation, whereas like I'm trying to tell a story within the vacation. No, no, I get that. You know what I mean? I get that. Um, but it's also it's very, very time consuming. It's incredibly time consuming. It's, I mean, you're you're recording constantly throughout that whole trip and to go through all the all the footage. I mean, what these guys are able to do, like someone like Casey, man, like he's got this formula down like to a science. So before we before we get kind of done with the show, there was an article you posted, I'm looking for it now. That I wanted to, so you, you, uh, I mean, well, this was a ruin, was it? The Blackstone one? No, no, well, Blackstone one, I didn't find that sexy, but so they You don't find that sexy? They defaulted on a loan? I mean, it's a big ass loan, but if you look at the property that, so I saw this earlier on Bloomberg. I've been transitioning from Bloomberg to watching CNBC to watching Bloomberg to the day, but, um, yeah, Blackstone defaults on $562 million in Nordic property backed CMBS, commercial Mm -hmm. mortgage backed security. Um, but from what I understand is that this property, this is a Yahoo Finance article. So let's see here. Uh, Blackstone has defaulted on the blah, blah bond portfolio backed by offices and stores owned by a Finnish company. Okay, so offices and stores. So what's the vacancy? Were these even forty five percent? Yeah. Okay. Forty five percent vacancy. It's, it had, it goes back to like the you know return uh, to work. Yeah. So here's the quote here. This debt relates to a small portion of the Sponda portfolio. That's the Finnish company, I believe. We are disappointed that the servicer has not advanced our proposal, Blackstone said in an emailed statement. So apparently Blackstone saw an extension from the bondholders to repay the debt, but they voted against it. Okay, I'm going to try to explain this. So Yeah, that's what I wanted to bring this up because I wanted you to be able to, because this, I mean, they're no small time company. No, no, no. But keep in mind, these are all, okay, uh, I don't know how to start this. So let's start with the basics. Okay, Mm -hmm. so. They are typically speaking single asset, single purpose entities. Like this entity for Blackstone is is insulated from the rest of Blackstone's business. Got it. They could have made the strategic decision that this is not paying for itself. And in this case, they made an offer to uh, the servicer, right? Mm-hmm. What they're saying is this securitized asset is a commercial mortgage-backed security. Right. So it's been pooled and sold off on Wall Street as a stock. Right. Right. And these are these are the investment vehicles that got us in trouble during the Great Recession. Very similar, yes. yes. Well, mortgage backed securities. Mortgage backed securities. Yeah, yeah, mortgage yeah, not commercial mortgage backed securities. So this is a commercial property mortgage backed security. Right. Now the mortgage backed security, when you securitize something, there's a servicer, the person who services it basically collects your payments and services the loans for the mm-hmm. bondholders, the portfolio. Right. Like you would have a student loan right. servicer. Then there's a special servicer which steps in anytime it goes into special assets, meaning you've defaulted. Mm-hmm. And they need to, let's just call it institute some discipline to get you back online or to liquidate the assets. Okay. The bondholders need to make sure that they're treated accordingly. According to the contract, you need to uphold your portion of the deal. And if they don't, then you got to liquidate and pay the bondholders out for their relative risk and right. their, their asset. So they have forwarded to the servicer a proposal to work out the solution, which typically is probably a discount in this case. So it's not good. So let's see here. Um, so here, but... Here's the thing. So this is what I also heard somebody talk about this on the flip side, right? Playing devil's advocate. They were saying they believe by defaulting, they gain some leverage in negotiations to renegotiate their rate. Yes. So, so but this is not a practice. We re- we're not recommending anybody to do this. Yeah. No. And this is also one of the world's largest companies. Yes. 
you know, with a sizable loan, with a sizable loan, they're trying to leverage their position. You as a consumer, yes. or you as a smaller real estate investor, you're not going to get this luxury. Yeah, th- they'll take that loss. This is a power play. Yes. And they're basically saying, like, we're going to default here and force the servicer and the special servicer to renegotiate because they want the bondholders to get paid because that's their responsibility. Right. But with that being said. That's it, also why I didn't find this article that sexy. It's but, just a power play. But the thing that made it also sexy for me was that for the fourth straight month, they're limiting withdrawals on their REIT. Yeah. So, I mean, that, it's not showing me like they don't have any any problems. No, I think that they, they are experiencing some problems. They are for sure experiencing some problems. And, and Blackstone... I've known a lot of the management there and I've known like the former CFO and like, I've known a lot of people that, that have been close to the company. Mm. They have a really weird culture there that I don't fully understand. It's not also, like th- there's a lot of people in a lot of jobs that I think are, are not working a whole lot. There's a lot of people that I know that work there that were constantly on vacation. I see. And there was a lot, a lot of like this entitlement like, oh, I'm a high level position. So you're like, oh, you're working a lot. And like, no, no, no I just attend conferences and I do that like. So you're a consigliere for the company? Like, what? Is, like, what? <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand. Yeah, like, what is it? What, do you, what exactly? What, like, what's was, your value? It was very confusing. So, I mean, I've seen a lot of people come, come in and out of there, and I spent some time on the East Coast, and I, I get a little bit about, I guess, why a company that big would be like that, but it's, I don't know, man. Like, I, didn't, I just didn't find this sexy. I just felt like this is like, okay, this is a big company making a power play. They have some financial challenges for sure, but, you know, they're in the real estate market, and I guess if you listen to Dave Ramsey, they should be fine. But if you listen to the rest of the world, they probably should be having problems. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me. Mm. So what was um, the article Odin posted that you thought was sexy? It, it was the article about Elon Musk unveils Tesla's master plan. I saw this. Um, I saw this in, in like uh, the media, but I didn't actually read it. And let's turn on Arun's mic and let Arun talk about what exactly is your pitching here, brother. What do we got? Well, I just thought it was interesting that um, he is back to being the richest man in the world which is not what the article is about but okay <laughs> yeah no i just thought it was interesting that like he came out with a new plan uh for tesla calling it master plan three um and just like that he got support again from what okay do what, you know what do we know what the plan is jesus yeah. is this your first time on the show yes it is. <laughs> it's the first time i'm pitching a story a big chunk of the three-hour presentation was about how to save the world by building a quote sustainable energy economy a feat Musk estimates will cost $10 trillion. Well, the Inflation Reduction Act should help with that. <laughs> <laughs> Here are some of the less lofty details of how Tesla plans to reach that goal. Number one, engineers are working to make vehicle assembly cost 50% less. Okay, that doesn't sound like it's worth $10 trillion, but okay. Ooh, sounds like you're trying to cut jobs, my, All right. my guy. Um, point number two. The much-delayed Cybertruck will start shipping by the end of this year. Lead designer Franz von Holthausen. Didn't you buy one? I, I got one on. I've got one on layaway. <laughs> yeah, you got one of these and Rivian uh, and a Hummer. So it's sh- and a Hummer. Yeah, you so want the crab walk? The crab walk's dope, bro. The cra- Honestly, if I had the crab, I'd be crab walking all over but the it's, place. It's a big ass <laughs> truck, though, man. Like I've seen it in person, it's redonkulous. It really. It's it's so big. I mean, it screams that I am not well endowed. <laughs> I and mean, you know what? We've talked I'm, about I'm that. I'm not going to deny We've that. We've talked about it. We said I'm, average. I'm We've said that. There's a girl at the laser place that can tell you all about it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> point number three, and this is a this is an interesting one. We have a lab full of arms and legs. Where does he go next for that quote, boys yeah. and girls? <laughs> Musk said, talking about the fleet slash army of robots Tesla's been building to do human labor eventually. So now unemployment's really fucked. Yeah. Thank you, Elon Musk. So yeah. you're going to... Thank you for your contribution. Yeah, that's gonna that's a ten trillion dollar goal, phase three. Yeah. This is exactly the same shit we all knew you were doing. Right. And just just to be clear here, 
Okay, so vehicle assembly is going to cost fifty percent less, which makes you means you make more money. Yes. Okay, good for you. I'm not seeing it. Plan three. How? What? Save the world. Right. He said he's going to sell investors in super Tesla's long term sustainable energy economy. What? I have no okay. idea, man. Plan the, number two. The much delayed Cybertruck will start shipping. How the fuck does that help build a sustainable energy economy? Yeah. Am I missing this? No. In plan number three. We have a lab full of arms and legs for robots that are going to make everybody unemployed. Mm. Arun, why would you bring this article up? It's terrible. I just thought it was interesting. You're not allowed to pick articles anymore. You're out. You're out. You're fired. <laughs> Somebody also uh, messaged me today saying San Francisco's Bay Bridge lights will go dark indefinitely on Sunday. Oh, really? Why? Apparently, construction on the bullet train from Southern California to Las Vegas is set to begin. Oh, that's Since- dope. That's dope. Uh, so, oh man, that's, I mean, that's kind of sad. Why do lights have to go off of that? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's kind of. Seems like a shitty trade-off. <laughs> I swear to God, like. Is Y'all that... can keep the lights on when you're doing construction? What about all those people that bought those views for those lights? I mean, they are kind of sexy. They are Kind of. Not the Golden Gate Bridge, though. The Bay Bridge. Different bridge. Different bridge. Yeah, yeah. It's the gray one, right? Yeah. I don't know. People, San Francisco listeners will DM me. Yeah. Or. Uh... Um, damn, their values are already starting to go down. Uh, yeah, not green light for 4.2 foot. What California bullet train project faces more cost increases, possible delays. Plan to bring bullet train to LA to Vegas is underway. None of these talk about the bridge. Are you sure you didn't make this article up? Um, Sarah sent it to me. You want to call Sarah a liar? I would never call Sarah a liar. See, that's what say. I did. Yep. <laughs> say less. All right. So, Mr. Hayes, Matthew Hayes left us the um, special four star review that we discussed in detail. And we, uh, we may have made some death threats. <laughs> no, we did not. Re- Read his review. Said, I will, I will fly to wherever you're at, Mr. Hayes, and I will mess you up, man. Come on, you're going to leave us a five-star. Even we still, someone left us a three-star review with no context. I'm going to find that person. I can't believe they I'm do I'm going to do it. Don't, if you're gonna don't, leave us, if you're don't gonna, tempt me, boy. If you're going to leave us a three-star review, come on. Put your yeah, name on it. Yeah, put your name on it, bro. Yeah. And your address. <laughs> I am here to revise my four-star review from last week. Mm. Chris and Saeed both passed the test to determine if they are worthy of an honest five-star review. Mm. Both co-hosts demonstrated extreme humility when faced with a difficult review. I mean, by threatening to kill you, I, I think that <laughs> we, we did. We did not. Yeah. Okay, making references to such activity. <laughs> uh, while I am certain that Chris, Said, and the intern, Arun, not sure how to spell his name. We don't, H- we don't A-R-O-O-N. Harun. Harun. Or just remember balloon. <laughs> were traumatized by the experience, they were able to laugh it off in a healthy, productive manner without attacking their listener. No, we're never going to attack you, brother. We love Dude, you. We love the data you provide. Mad0753 with the emojis. His emoji, emoji game is on another level. Yeah, he put some deep thought in this. Or he used ChatGPT better than all of us. That's true. It's unquestionable, but we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. I recommend the higher standard to all my friends and family. And as your family, we love you too. We love you, Matt. But me more than Saeed because Saeed wanted to kill you. That's not true. That's true. Well, you brought us into the show. Take us out. What do you? That's your job. No. I don't, you can't. You can't throw that on me last minute say, and then you, and then me do something. And be like, gosh, you're so terrible. You're supposed to say good night, everybody. That's it. That's it. All right. You brought us into the show. Take us out. Good night, everybody. It's fucking cheap. Now that you did it after I told you to do it. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. 
This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.